And uh, hopefully my eyes are working properly. If not, I'll have to borrow Brother Guy's new glasses, all right? So Luke chapter number one, let's begin reading in verse number five. The Bible says, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both now, or they they both now were now well stricken in years. That's another way of saying they were old. All right, and so it says in verse number eight, it came to pass that while he talking about Zacharias executed the priest office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest office, his lot. In other words, this was his job, his duty, was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without in the time, at the time of incense. So Zacharias, the priest, is inside burning incense. The people are outside, okay? So keep this in your mind as we continue. It says in verse 11, While Zacharias was inside burning incense, there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense, and when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Now notice, thy prayer is heard. And the Bible says, Thy wife, Elizabeth, shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Is this sounding familiar? Okay. Now let's read on. Thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. Now see, oftentimes at Christmas time, which I think rightfully so, we talk about Jesus. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, and he shall bring joy unto all people. But this is before Jesus. It sounds very similar. Verse 15, he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. Many of the children of Israel shall be turned to the, Lord, uh, to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for who? For the Lord. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, my wife is well stricken in years. The angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence, uh, in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words. Now, that's, that's an interesting statement, something for us to all to take in there is how important it is that we believe the Word of God. And there was some doubt there on his part, and it says that the Word of God shall be fulfilled in their season. In other words, everything in God's timing. Verse 21, And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them, and they perceived that he had seen a, in a, a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. In other words, 
Oh, if Zacharias would have just had a smartphone. He could have texted them all what happened. You know, yeah, he could have done a selfie or something, you know. But the Bible says in verse 23, And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to their own, his own house. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the day, days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. Now, same chapter, look at verse 57. Now, Elizabeth's full time came that she should be delivered, and she brought forth a son. And her neighbors and cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her, and they rejoiced with her. And it came to pass that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they called, his, uh, called him Zacharias after the name of his father. And his mother answered and said, Not so, but he shall be called John. And they said unto her, There is none of thy kindred that is called by this name. And they made signs to his father how he would have called him. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, saying, His name is John. Now, that always kind of interesting, a writing tablet. You know, did they give him a stone and a chisel and a hammer? I mean, what did they give him? But nonetheless, they gave him something. He wrote down, said his name is John. And they marveled, notice, they marveled all. And as soon as, John, as soon as Zechariah said, his name is John, his mouth was opened immediately, and his tongue loosed, and he spake and praised God. Now, how long, typically, how long is a woman with child? Anybody know? Nine months. How long could Zechariah not talk? Nine months. And the Bible says the first thing out of his mouth was praise to God. Now, when I looked at this passage and I began to read, and it's, it's one that oftentimes we read, but many times we don't look at it during the Christmas time. And it caused me to just kind of sit and think about some things. For instance, these two, Zacharias and Elizabeth, they, I think a lot of times at Christmas time, are very obscure people in the Christmas narrative. In other words, I think even the shepherds and the wise men and many other people get a lot more attention at Christmas time than Elizabeth and Zacharias do. But after all, according to this passage, they are the parents, the mother and father of John that oftentimes we call John the Baptist. And when I look at this, I, I think to myself that this story, in other words, where she had no child, God gave her a child and the child came. That's not the end of the story. That's actually the beginning of the story, the life of this son that God gave to them. Zechariah or Zacharias, his name means whom God remembered. What a, what a great name. A lot of times they would name people uh, certain names in the Bible. They were specific. For instance, the name Jesus means what? Savior, deliverer. Uh, names were very important. Uh, his wife, Elizabeth, her name literally means God is my oath. Now, Zacharias was a Jewish village priest. Elizabeth actually came from a priestly family uh, whose lineage went all the way back to Aaron, who was the brother of Moses. So, I mean, these two had quite the family heritage 
and the lineage between them. But both of them, as the Bible says here, they were very devout people. Uh, they were very faithful people in observing uh, the, the, the Old Testament law. They were faithful followers of the Lord. But the one thing about their lives were is they had a very heartbreaking problem, and that is they had no children and they wanted children desperately. Uh, they had prayed. I mean, have you ever prayed for something and prayed desperately to God for it? Uh, I appreciate all of you praying for my father, and uh, God is working. He still not, has not trusted the Lord as a Savior, but the Lord's working. And, and, and I told my father, I said, there are people praying for you in New Jersey and Missouri and Florida and California. And, and my dad just looked at me because he doesn't get that. He doesn't understand that because he's thinking, these people don't even know who I am. And, and I, said, I said, Dad, I said, there are people praying for you that God would work in your heart. And, and listen, this is what Elizabeth and Zechariah did. They were praying because of their hearts were breaking. They were praying. They had prayed for years. And, and, and I know a lot of times I've heard of people in their testimonies how they've prayed for a loved one for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Uh, and sometimes we pray longer, waiting on the Lord to work everything in God's timing. And this was something that they were struggling with, that God hadn't answered this. Now, the biggest reason is because he was a part of the priestly uh, lineage and the families of these uh, sons of Aaron. They were the ones that were responsible when it came to the, the duties or the services in the temple. And what these families would do is they would rotate. In other words, the different families, it was their turn to carry on the priestly duties in the passage this morning, it was Zacharias's turn to, to go into the temple and to perform those as it was the custom. And so he was serving in the capacity of a priest. And on this occasion, it, it was his turn, as we know from the word of God, that the high priest would go into the holy place and perform certain duties. And this is what Zacharias was doing. He was by the altar of incense, as the Bible identifies. Now, he goes in there and he remains inside for the people while all the other people are outside. And the Bible tells us this. Now, they had some idea of what was going on in there, but many times God would speak to the man of God, the priest, and so on. And so he's in there spending time with the Lord. He had that privilege, but while he was in there, a very strange thing happened. God sent a messenger, an angel. And that angel's name is Gabriel. And he appeared on the right hand of the altar of incense. And according to the passage, Zacharias, he was startled. Fear kind of gripped him when he saw this angel. He didn't really know what to say. And initially, as we can tell by the text, he didn't really or couldn't believe what he was hearing with his own ears. So what the angel did, he said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a sign. Now, you remember, that's exactly what happened in the life of Jesus. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. That's a sign, Isaiah said. And so the, the sign to Zacharias was, because of his unbelief, that he was going to be silent. Now, can you imagine? I think personally that Elizabeth must have had a party for nine months because he couldn't talk back to her. I mean, their marriage was probably better than it ever was for nine months. 
I mean, it was a one-way conversation. You know, Elizabeth probably said, you are the best husband ever, you know. But, but he couldn't speak, and that was the sign. Now, clearly, look, when he became dumb and he could not speak, you had to know that Zacharias was thinking, this is a pretty good sign. You know, my, my father uh, being in the hospital and the cancer and the chemo and all the medicines that he's taken, my dad, his voice is almost non-existent. And I had, I had to get right next to him to hear whatever it was he was trying to say to me. And, and my dad, uh, laying there in the bed, he's, you know, when you're in the hospital, they give you one of those things with the call button for the nurse. So my dad keeps that, he keeps that right next to his hand. And he's in a lot of pain. He, I think almost every day the nurses would ask him when they came in, what's your pain level? And my, dad, my dad's not a complainer. As a matter of fact, when the nurses come in, I was, I was thrilled that my dad was so pleasant to all the nurses through the whole thing. And I think that helped, especially those of you in the medical field. You know it's easier to take care of a patient that's nice to you. Um, but when, the, when my dad needed something, he would push the call button. And you know how it works. The nurse or whoever it is at the desk out there would, would come over the speaker and say, can I help you? And my dad would say something, but they couldn't hear him because his voice wasn't working. And, you know, it's, it, it, when you think about that, a lot of times I had to speak for my dad when I was there, but I thought to myself, I wonder how this works when I'm not there. And, and I was thinking about this passage this morning, how that Zacharias, he, he knew something had happened. This was clearly God was at work. And, and I think sometimes it may not be God taking our voice, but God is trying in his way. Now think about this in your life. I'm sure it's happened by now. That God tries to get our attention, but we refuse in our own way to listen to what God is trying to communicate to us. So many times what God does is he'll do something in our lives to get our attention. And then we're like, oh, okay. I mean, is anybody else like me? You're not the sharpest tack in the drawer, right? You know, sometimes God has to do something. You know, you know I, I hear people sometimes, you know, like, you know, laying in a hospital and I'll hear him say something like this, I don't understand why this is happening. And I think to myself, well, I'm not God, and I'm definitely not the Holy Spirit, but there may, God may be trying to get through to you somehow. And Zacharias knew this because this is what the angel told him. And, and, and so Zacharias, they, he's in there, the people, they, they couldn't figure out. I mean, they're thinking to themselves, why is he in there so long? I mean, some of them probably thought, Zacharias is like a lot of good Baptists. He fell asleep in there, you know? They're, they're trying to figure out, why, is he, why isn't he coming out? But when he comes out, they start talking to him, you know, probably, hey, what happened? Why were you in there so long? You know, he couldn't say anything. And they're looking at him like, wow, what happened? And, and the Bible says that while this is going on, that Elizabeth then, according to the passage, she realizes 
the fulfillment of the promise that was made to her, she begins to feel something taking place within herself. And, and so she, in verse number 25, look at it again. It, she, here's what she says. Listen to her testimony. Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. So here, here's what I see is she gives God the credit for what's going on. Now, six months later, the Bible tells us that Gabriel told, and we know that Gabriel told Mary, her cousin, that, that she conceived a child whose name would be called Jesus. And then the angel told Mary, we looked at this already uh, last week, I believe it was, that her cousin Elizabeth was already six months pregnant with a child. And so Mary goes to visit her. Now, the two women, you had to understand when these two ladies got together, Mary and Elizabeth, that both of them probably told what happened to them. Can you, can you imagine this story? You know, Elizabeth says, Mary, let me tell you what happened. You know, the, the angel told me that I, that I was going to have a child in my old age. And, and, and I wouldn't even have to pick his name. I was supposed to call him John. And, and then Mary says, well, let me tell you what happened to me. You know, it's like, you know how sometimes you get around certain people and, and somebody tells something, and does this happen? After somebody tells something, the next person wants to tell something that's more sensational or something better than what you just said, right? Yes. You, you know, somebody always has to up, up you one, right? Yes. And, and here, here's Elizabeth. I'm going to have a son of my old age. And Mary's over here going, oh, yeah, well, my son's going to be the son of God. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus trumps John any day, you know. I mean, I, I'm just, I, I don't know. Like I said, I told you, Christmas meditations. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about this whole situation with these two. And here's my thought is that the two women, I think, quickly understood the respective roles that they actually were privileged to play because of the positions of their children. I mean, John would be the forerunner of Jesus. He was going to help the people to prepare themselves for the coming of the Lord. And of course, we know who Jesus is. And Jesus came to save us from our sins. And we don't know exactly how much, when you think of Elizabeth, we don't know exactly how much, the Bible doesn't tell us how much she really knew about the role of her son as the forerunner of Jesus. But the day did come when Elizabeth's baby was going to be born. The Bible says on the eighth day they came to the temple and they came to circumcise the child. And, and that's when uh, they asked, they wanted to name John after his dad, which was pretty common back then. But that's when she said, no, his name's not going to be called John. His name's going to be called, or not, not going to be called Zacharias. It's going to be called John. And then they asked the father because they thought, well, Zacharias will set her straight. He'll tell us that his name's going to be, uh, he's going to be a junior. And he says, no, his name will be called John. And then his mouth was open. Now, here's a couple quick truths that I want to give to you this morning. And, and these were just some things I thought about. Notice the first truth that I think helps us is, and I think this first truth is, and I hope you don't mind me putting it this way, but I think all of us, all of us are getting older, right? 
maybe. Some are in denial. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Hey, Chip, how you doing, buddy? Good to see you, man. And so, so here's the thing is, I think this first word is a word to the, the, those of us that are getting a little older, because I think this happens a lot of times in our lives. And when I thought of the story of Elizabeth and Zacharias, here's my thought is God is not finished with you yet. God's not finished with you yet. You know, they, they were getting up in years, were they not? You know, does that sound like any of us getting up in years? You know, but here they are. Uh, all of their life, they had prayed for something. Watch this. Listen, they had been faithful to God. You know, sometimes we think to ourselves, does God still hear me? You know, because, I mean, I I'm attending church, I'm reading my Bible, I'm praying, I'm being faithful to God. But see, the truth was, God was not finished with them yet. I, I see in churches, I've seen this ever since I've been saved, where people get older in life, and, and here's their thought, whether they verbalize it or not, I've, I've had my turn to sing in the choir, I've had my turn to be an usher, I've done this, I've done that, and it's almost like I'm retired on God. There is no retirement with God. Uh, you know, we, we just need to get retreaded is what we need, not retired, all right? And, and we need to keep serving the Lord, and, and here's Elizabeth and, and Zacharias, you know, all of their life, they had read the Old Testament scriptures. They had done the best they could to obey the law. They had been looking forward to the coming of the Messiah, according to the word of God. I mean, all these years that they had done that. How about this? All of their friends that they had, they had children, and maybe by now their children had children. And here's Zacharias and Elizabeth with no children at all. You know, I, I thought to my, myself while I was there visiting my, my mom and my dad that um, I'm glad for my parents that they had children. And then I thought a little further, I'm glad that my parents have children that care about their parents. I see so many, so many people, when I go to see my mom at the home, a lot of those people, I never see anybody come visit them. You know, uh, it, it's kind, of, it's kind of ironic because I, I guess it, I, we get it from maybe, maybe my mom for sure, maybe my dad a little bit, but I'd be, at the, I'd be there at the home during mealtimes with my mom and I'd see someone across or, or close by at the dining table and I'd see them and they couldn't, they couldn't reach their drink or they were out of a drink and I would just jump up and run over and I'd grab their glass and I'd say, hey, what are you drinking? And there were people working there taking care of that but I just couldn't stand that they couldn't reach something or they needed something to drink. You know, I, I told some people one time, I said, you know how the, the, the Bible is true about the, this matter of the principle of sowing and reaping. Whatever you sow, that you're also going to reap, right? And, and, and so I told, there was, there was some uh, nursing aides that were there and they were helping my mom, some of the people around there. And I turned and I looked at him and I said, I said, has my mother ever told you all that she worked here for 20 years? And those nurses, aides, they looked at me and they went, she what? I said, she worked right here at this very home doing what you're doing for 20 years in this very room. And they go, she never told us that. 
And I said, do you know why I know my mom's getting the care that she's getting today? Because she did for others what you're doing for her now. The principle of sowing and reaping. And so when I think about this matter of, of Zacharias and Elizabeth, I mean, they, they, they were around their friends that were surrounded by their children and their grandchildren. And, and, and you know, all these people, their lives were so full and so happy but for them, they were thinking about what they were missing. A lot of times, uh, people were, were tempted to, to, to throw in the towel when things don't go the way that they expect. I mean, I've been faithful to the Lord. I've, you know, there's been people that have quit on God and quit going to church, not, not Elizabeth and Zacharias. Even in their old age, they were still faithful to God. They were still serving the Lord. God had been good to them, and, and, and it, they understood that. But listen, as I think about them, they remained faithful. But here's the best part is, as they remained faithful, they were remaining faithful to a God who was faithful. God was faithful through it all. God's timing was better than theirs. Hey, listen, you had to understand, it wouldn't have been near as significant if Elizabeth would have had John when she was a young girl. But now she is well stricken in years. Anybody else in here well stricken? <laughs> Think about those words. Interesting choice of words God used there. Well stricken. But I think a lot of times people do this. They, they play the what if game. You know, what if, what if I would have had children whenever I was younger? What if I would have done this? What if it would have been like that? The older we get, it is true, the fewer choices that we have left. My, my daughter, when she uh, was, was uh, found to be with child, and then it was children. By the way, I'm, we're the new grandparents of twin boys this week. That was a blessing this week. But they, they told my daughter, they said, I didn't know this, they said that the older a woman gets, if she gets pregnant, the chances of her having twins or multiple babies goes up. And I, so I'm telling the rest of my daughters, just wait. Just, just wait. Don't get in a hurry, you know. But for the Christian, think about this. Everything, just like in their lives, just like Elizabeth and, jo and Zechariah, everything in, in our lives in, up to this point in time is just a prelude to what God is going to do. In other words, God's not finished with you yet. Everything that God had done in Zechariah's life and Elizabeth's life, it was just to prepare them that they would have this son that they would call John, and he would prepare the hearts of the people for the coming of the Lord. See, they, they, they certainly felt the biological clock ticking, and that maybe they felt like they had lost their chance to have a child. Maybe they felt like their dream was gone. Time had passed them by. God seemed like he didn't have any plans for them, but the truth was, God wasn't finished with him yet. Can I tell you this morning, God's not finished with you yet either. God has something wonderful for all of us. And when we think about this, I, I, I think about it's, it, it's definitely something to help us understand that God's not finished with us yet. But look at the second thought, and I think this is a word that I see to those that might be, and, and I hope you understand this if I can word it right, those who are sincere that would be considered religious traditionalist. Um, if people ask me, um, so, and they're talking about 
religion, they ask me, so what are you? I always like how they ask it. What are you? And I'll say to them, well, I'm a Christian. By the way, that's what we are. When we get saved, we become a Christian. When I got saved, I didn't become a Baptist. And, and so I'll, I'll say to them, I became a Christian, and, and then we'll talk a little bit more, and they'll say, what church you go to? And I'll say, well, I go to a Baptist church, and then I'll usually, I'll usually say it this way, Brother Flynn, I'll usually say I'm a Baptist by conviction. Now the, the reason I'm a Baptist by conviction is because as I study the Word of God, and I look at the line of succession from the Lord Jesus Christ, I believe that Baptist folks line up with the doctrine of the Word of God more than any other people that I see practicing or following what the Lord's teachings are. And so that's usually how I explain it. But, but listen to me. Religion will send a person to hell. But listen to this. If we're not careful, even we who are saved and believers in the Lord, we become so religiously traditional. You know, Brother Tim, you understand this. Baptists are pretty bad about this too. We become so traditional with things that if somebody does something that's not a part of our tradition, you know, then everybody's like, oh, I can't believe they have screens in their church. I can't believe that there used to be a Baptist preacher. If I said his name, most of you would know it. He used to preach against people parting their men parting their hair down the middle and wearing wire rim glasses. Yeah, what? See, what happens is we become so traditional that we lose sight of really what it's all about. Now again, listen to me. You're not going to catch this preacher changing my doctrine. Doctrine is doctrine, okay? But I want you to notice the second thought is, is, is that God just might surprise you yet. God just might surprise you. Christmas time, I think, is full of all kinds of surprises, things that will take your breath away sometimes. A lot of us, we measure our life, our, our times, by the breaths that we take, but I think it would be better if we measured our lives by the breaths with, that we miss our breaths that we miss. In other words, when God surprises us, uh, you know, you had to understand that this was a time that it had to surprise Elizabeth. Hey, you're going to have a baby. I'm an old woman. Are you kidding me? I mean, can you imagine Zacharias? I mean, I had a hard time keeping up with my kids, and I was in my 20s and 30s, you know? And, and I think to myself, my uncle, I'll never forget, my uncle uh, and my aunt got married. They, were, they had eight children. And then, like, I don't know how many years it was later, they ended up getting a divorce. He remarried in his mid-50s. He married a woman that was in her mid-30s. And he had another child, his ninth child, when he was almost 60. I'm like, when that kid's 16, you're going to be 76 years old. I can just hear that kid, hey, is that your grandpa? No, that's my daddy, the one with the cane and the oxygen bottle trying to keep up with him. But let me ask you this. Has God ever surprised you? Yeah. 
You know, sometimes we become so traditional with things that when God does try to surprise us, we're like, no, no. I mean, how many of you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask this question, how many of you like to know what you're getting for Christmas? Come on, come on. Nobody's going to be honest. Okay, Nazarel's the only honest person in the auditorium this morning. There you go. Heidi put her hand up, all right? Most of us, we enjoy a surprise, right? How many of you were the one that always went through the house hunting for your presents? Yeah, I see a few hands going up on that one. I like to be surprised. And in times of amazement and times of astonishment, I think what happens is God catches us by surprise and just like Zacharias, I mean, you have to know, it, listen, it took his breath away to where he, he couldn't even talk for nine months. It surprised them. God was finally, listen, God finally answered our prayers. I don't know how many years it was. 70, 80, 90 years, 60 years, 50 years. They prayed and God took their breath away. But the problem is for many of us, we become so entrenched in religious tradition that we can't be surprised by anything. I mean, these people, they were good people. Look what it says in verse number six again. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. I mean, what a testimony. I mean, you couldn't hardly find nothing wrong with it. I mean, there's none good, but if there were any that were pretty close to the front of the line, it would have been Zacharias and Elizabeth. But yet, they were surprised by God. God wasn't done with them yet. I mean, they, they, in their lives, they were going through all the right motions. They were obeying the law. They were faithful in worship. They were praying fervently to the Lord. Can I tell you, it is possible, and I think this is so true, to settle into some religious routine that God has one tough time trying to get our attention. You know? It's, it's, from time to time, I'll just tell Brother Kenny, I'll say, look, you need, to, you need to do this, put this here, put this here. And Brother Kenny looks at me and he goes, really? You want the choir to sing there? I'm like, yeah. Because I think you'll even become religious robots in church. You know, I, sometimes I, I, I'm with people when we go soul winning and we talk to people about the Lord. If you were to die today, are you 100% sure you go to heaven or, or not? For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And, and I'm thinking to myself, these people we're trying to talk to and witness to, number one, they didn't understand a word you just said because of how fast you said it. My, my wife used to tell me, and she was always, my wife's always so kind to me. She would say to me, you know these people you're talking to, they haven't been to Bible college. They probably don't know anything about the Lord. And, and so I've learned that when I talk to people about the Lord, have you ever considered the magnitude of what you're asking them? If you were to die today, I mean, there's, there's just a deep thought, is there not? And, and we, we have to think about, you know, God may be trying to get our attention. Jesus knows our every thought. He knows what we're concerned about, our problems, our needs. But the best part is he wants to meet those needs. And sometimes what he'll do is he'll surprise us. 
with, those need, with the, meeting those needs. I mean, how many times had they prayed for this child and yet they were stunned when their prayers were answered? They realized that it was not going to happen in their timing, but guess what? It happened in God's timing. It's, it stunned them. It surprised them. Are we so traditional in our thinking that we live as if we don't really expect anything new from God? Remember what the Bible says, with God, how many things are possible? That includes Elizabeth in her, in her old age. That includes a virgin that had never been with a man before. Listen to this, that includes you, whatever it is in your life. But sometimes we get so traditional that we, we don't expect that God can do anything. Listen, tonight, don't miss tonight. We're going to have such a great time. Say, Pastor, we're going, to, we're going to have a time with the family. We're going to have time with children. I'm going to read a Christmas story book tonight to the children. Say, oh, during church? Yes. I mean, sometimes you get around and, look, I don't, I, I don't want to be sacrilegious. I want to honor the Lord. But I think sometimes, I remember whenever we were talking, and, and you know my heart as a pastor, God, God's been growing our church, and to God be the glory. God's been given the increase, and we had pews in our auditorium, and, and, and we were talking about, you know, what, what can we do because our fellowship hall only holds like 40 people, and you're jammed in there, and, and, and land is so expensive, and I thought, you know, what can we do, Lord? And I was praying about it. I talked to some of our men, and then I brought it before the church, and I remember when I first started saying, you know, maybe we should get chairs to where we can use our auditorium more in a multi-purpose type atmosphere, and, and it's been wonderful to be able to do that. But I remember some of our people saying, oh, we're going to get rid of the pews? And I'm thinking, well, I can't find the word pew in the Bible. See what I'm saying about religious traditionalists? We've got to be careful because what, what happens is, you know, we, we have these uh, we have these, these sacred things that are sacred to us, but they're not sacred to God. Are you with me this morning? Yes. I, I'm not trying to change the Word of God. I'm not trying to change who we are, what we believe. I'm just saying that if God wants to surprise us and God wants to work, then I want God to work. I want God to surprise me. You know, I want God to do all things in my life. And I hope you do too. And it's so important we see this. And, and so, listen, can, can you look back in your life and as Elizabeth did and see that God's ways are better than your ways? And you have to know that Elizabeth thought, boy, this is wonderful. Zacharias thought the same thing. Let me give you one last one real quick. Is This last one, I think, is a, is a word to all of us as Christians. And here it is that God expects us to be maturing yet, to be maturing. I think in our lives, we should be noted like Zacharias and Elizabeth for our faith. But there can be times, you remember what Zacharias did when the angel told him? He, he's like, I don't know about this. Now, maybe, maybe you're a better Christian than I am. Maybe you've never had a time where you've stumbled in disobedience. But sometimes God wants to do the miraculous, and we're like, I don't think that's going to happen, Lord. People have asked me, do you think your dad's going to get saved? I believe he is. You know? 
Now, that's, it, that's up to him, and of course, we know that God is able to save to the uttermost, right? But when God, through the angel Gabriel, spoke specifically to Zacharias, Zacharias became confused. He doubted. Look at this, it says in verse 18, he says, Whereby shall I know this? For I'm an old man, my wife is well stricken in years. And look at Gabriel's answer in verse 19. He says, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb, not able to speak until the day these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. In other words, in God's time. So sometimes here's what happens is God uses methods, I mentioned this earlier, to get our attention. But if we don't, watch this, shut up and listen, then we'll never hear what God's trying to speak to us. We'll never hear what God would have for us. We need to reflect and contemplate. The Lord yearns to refresh us. But listen, we don't stop long enough to drink of that refreshment that God has for us. Do you ever stop in your pursuits, especially Christmas time? I, I flew in last night. My wife picked me up, and she, she actually wanted to stop at a store, and we were driving past Pembroke uh, Gardens, I think it's called, the outdoor mall over here. And it was, it was 8.30 on a Saturday night. There wasn't one empty parking spot. And I could see it from the road where we were at, and I said, just keep driving. I don't, I'm not interested in going to the store. I'm not interested in being a part of that. But listen, the pursuits that people have, I wonder how many people or how many of us are going to stop and be still and know that thou art God. That's what we need to do. Be still and know that God is working in our lives. So this Christmas season, I think Zacharias and Elizabeth, they can help us to understand. Here's the first thing. No matter how young or how old we are, God's not done with us yet. You know, God was going to use them, and God is going to use you. The second thing we looked at is no matter how religious we are or seem to be, we need to be willing to be surprised by God. Nothing is impossible with God. And then the third thought is this, no matter how long we've been a Christian, no matter how long you've been saved, you and I need to keep ourselves open to allowing God to mature us so that we can be continually used by God. How many of you want God to use you? Yeah, I think that's all of our prayer. I hope that something this morning helped you the way it helped me. These were just some meditations that God gave me through the life of Zacharias and Elizabeth. What a tremendous prelude into our Christmas story. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this dear couple and their their faith in you and their, their willingness to obey you. And even at times, even in their disobedience, you still love them. You sent the angel to help them understand that you are working, that you were working, you weren't through with them yet, you had a purpose. God, may you help someone this morning to understand that you have a purpose for their life. And Lord, may you surprise us this week and this season and the days ahead in our lives of what you're going to do, what you can do. Lord, help us to be ever maturing in Christ, that we would be more like him so that, God, you could use us to help others to know you as Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.